guys so much for joining me tonight. I'm really grateful that I get to enjoy today. I like the slowing down of life right now. I don't mind it at all. I don't mind it. When um, life slows down, I'm not resisting anymore for any reason. Now, I like what Plutonius says. <laughs> he says, I do not argue. I just contemplate. <laughs> That's great. That's a great way to do it. He's really talking about non-resistance and he lets the information that he receives from the world around him be contemplated upon, pondered on, but not necessarily resisted. So the information right now in my world tells me, Tala, you need to slow down. You need to do things a little differently. And I need to do it the way that maybe I would have resisted before. For example, even within my work, I'm doing it online which is helpful and convenient as well for people. And it's a different modality in which I do the same work that I'm doing. And uh, before I would have resisted that in some way and maybe would have wanted it my way. But I'm going with the flow. I want to see whatever benefit this provides whoever um, needs it. So it's not about me at this point. This is the information I'm receiving that I my job needs to be done this way. And we're going to be doing it this way. So I like it. I'm not going to argue. I'm just going to contemplate. <laughs> okay. So you're like, what is this about? What's the point of this? I don't know. I don't know. But since we're all sitting here and I haven't recorded in a little bit, I've been in contemplation, quite a bit of contemplation to the point of um, just been brewing in the creative juice and isolating appropriately, you know? sitting in information and maybe doing some reading and kind of fermenting in the information I'm reading rather than just reading it quickly, sitting in it with a f for a little bit and digesting it, which is something I've been recently doing. And it's actually pretty exciting to see how much information is out there that is so requiring my contemplation rather than my resistance. Uh, and so I'm, I'm reading it this way now. I'm looking at information this way. And it's helping quite a bit. I'm getting a lot of creative little inspirations from it. As I was looking at the content that I've been publishing for this podcast, I've noticed that I've been missing an important aspect of all the stuff that I talk about. And one important aspect is the idea of self-knowing. I've spoken about it in different ways throughout the podcast, but specifically today, I wanted to deal with the idea of why self-knowing is something that we all essentially want to get to. And self-knowing, I'm going to describe it a little bit more later, but is basically another way to say, if you've ever heard this idea of kind of waking up or an awakening of some kind, it can even be said a spiritual awakening variations of that. I don't want to give it a name that's too familiar to you because I don't want you to resist the concept. But the idea of waking up is really the self-knowing that we want to get to. And you know, people talk about this 
aspect as a human milestone, but not everybody gets there, friends. Not everybody gets there. And I want you to get an idea of what it is and how we need to develop it and why we need to develop it and how you'll benefit from it. It's just going to be an all around fantastic thing to work on right now as you are slowing down. It's a perfect time to do it. I want to make sure that you are increasing this self-knowing business to the point of freedom because it's exactly what it does. When you know yourself really well, you get to be free. I'll talk to you about why this is the case. If I'm equating self-knowing with freedom, boy, oh boy, don't you want to hang around to find out why. All right. So let's start of how we get to grow up in our homes and why self-knowing is really the least thing we worry about growing up. And we're not really set up to go on this path. So that's why not everybody gets to the self-knowing part, to the waking up part. How it starts with us is when our parents teach us from the beginning that they're the adults and we are the children and there is a, a power differential here that's playing. The adult says, I know more than you do. And the child, even though deep down inside, they feel it to be wrong in some way and how I know it, it's wrong um, and how children feel it's wrong is that on the inside, there is something in there that says, I think and I feel without my parents' permission. <laughs> the kids know this already. The thing is, us adults, we don't know this about the kids because if we don't believe that we are free to think and feel whatever we want, uh, it, then more than likely we're going to impose that on the child. And many of us are raised that way. Many of us are raised in a way where we're not allowed to think and feel the way we want to think and feel. And it sounds like it's really harsh, but it's done so subtly. And we have really good glorified reasons for this. For example, our parents will tell us, um, you know, you're selfish when you think of yourself and you need to be thinking of other people. Uh, our parent can even do or say things like, you should have known better. You should have known. Uh, things like that as a form of where we're asked as children to read the, our parents' minds, which is <laughs> just a terrible thing to begin with. That means I'm not busy dealing with my own self-regulation and my own emotions and getting to know myself. I'm really working from an early age getting to know you outside of me, everything that's outside of me. I have to basically learn how to read other people's emotions, read their minds from an early age. You guys were really set up that way, whether we like to believe that or not. I know this resembles codependence because it is. <laughs> we're all brought up this way. Unless our parents did the work and, and knew a little better. Uh, but if they didn't, they're going to raise us the same way they were raised. And instinctually, they're just going to use it. Even if they say, I'll never be like my mom and I'll never be my, like my dad, they're still going to do it. So what you need to know that from early on, yourself was not to be trusted. Okay. It's, we were taught, of course, not intentionally that we cannot think 
and and validate our own feelings and think for ourselves. We need the validation of either an adult or somebody in authority or someone else to validate us, to approve of us in order for us to trust the decisions that we want to make, you know? And there was always a reward or punishment because again, the punishment would be if I made a decision and it wasn't good, uh, my parent may shame me, you know, look at what you did. I can't believe you did that. You made a mistake. And of course, we're so terrified as kids that we're afraid to make mistakes again. You know, we think that we have to be perfect. We get this concept, of course, and it's in extremes. And it really moves us away from ourselves of getting to accept ourselves as we are. Then now you start developing this strong inner critic, this inner self-judgmental person within us, that judgmental voice. And that inner critic doesn't leave us, even through adulthood. It continues to talk to us the way we've been talked to. This part, of course, may never heal if it's not confronted. Because you will think it to be part of yourself, but it is not. It is not part of yourself. It is just moving you away from that. Because now... As adults, based on the way we were raised, we value everything outside of us that approves and validates us, which is why things like Facebook and Instagram and all those fabulous things are like a great show of (laughs) what I'm talking about, is that it puts on an image. You know, Facebook is an image that I portray to people, and so is Instagram, and so it's the food that I eat, it's the stuff that I do, right? It's an image that I'm portraying or the thoughts I believe in. And I get to manipulate that image and you get to approve it or not approve it because I think according to what I understand, there is a like and dislike. You can like it, you can like a picture and you can get a lot of likes or something like that. And it tells me that it's basically about the approval of others, which is like, great, yeah, Tala, this is called social media, hence social media. I get it, I get it. But again, if we just, use these things with balance and understanding and knowing ourselves a little bit better, then these things won't mean as much as we think they do. Now, because we are raised in those ways, it's generational. If you think about it, it's almost instinctual for us to raise our children that way too. And what's really important now to identify is that when I wake up, when I start getting to know myself and really on the inside, identify what that is, right? Accept what that is versus what the other learned behaviors are, the other thinking patterns that I've inherited are, right? Then there could be two separate things that I'm aware of, at which point it becomes a choice now whether I need, I, I want to raise my child this way or I will allow them to gain trust in themselves now. Because we have a strong hold in them. And I think, I'm telling you, I think it's such a generational thing. It's like almost a part of our collective unconscious, which is basically another way to say all the memories that of all the transpired human events that ever existed, the patterns and beliefs that we all grew up with, but just generationally been that way and almost feels like it could be right for us, but it's, it's not. It's just familiar perhaps, but it's not the right way especially if it moves us away from knowing 
the self and trusting ourselves. We are built that way. We're built to develop that muscle of self-knowing. All clues point to us not being built to read people's minds, to know other people better than we know ourselves. We're not built that way. We're not built that way. So once I understand that, that I need to do the work on knowing myself a little bit more, then the next thing we have to understand is what are my core, or identify at least, not just understand, but identify, but what are my core beliefs? And core beliefs are just another way to say the beliefs that you kind of have about yourself from early on, all right? They're motivating, those beliefs are usually motivating all the other behaviors that you do. For example, if I believe like I'm not, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not worthy, then more than likely it will motivate which jobs I, I feel like I'm, I'm worthy of getting and applying for. It'll also motivate me to pick and choose my mates based on my worthiness. Uh, anything you could think of, those are core beliefs that basically get motivated all over the place. And these core beliefs are actually developed from early on in our life. And they're developed in a sneaky way. But unfortunately, they are a shadow part, meaning they are a a subconscious part of our drive. And they are part of this current identity we have. So if you have those core beliefs and identify what they are, because we all do, we have them. And you'll see that your behavior sometimes acts against you. They sabotage whatever it is that you want. Okay, so for example, a core belief that I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. Uh, what other core beliefs are there? Um, I'm not enough. And I talked about these before, but I'm doing it in a different way this time. But those are the, the core beliefs that if you just work on those specific ones, I think that you'll notice where they're at in your behaviors and your thought patterns when it comes to your self-critic, uh, your behaviors, your decision-making, you'll see them seep into all aspects of that. It will not hide from you if you're becoming self-aware. Now, again, a lot of people want to confuse this and say, well, Tala, if I have an inner critic, I want to do a lot of positive self-talk, but it's not about positive or negative, friends. It's about what I already have in there subconsciously that I need to clean up, okay? First, I do own it that I have it meaning that deep down inside, I do feel a a, a feeling of low self-worth. I have to accept that I feel this way. I don't have to accept it's real. I just have to accept that it's there is what I'm trying to tell you. So when we're doing some shadow work here, we want to accept what we believe is some kind of hidden factors, beliefs that we have about ourselves about who we are, our identity, whatever it is. I have to identify what they are. I have to just make them, bring them into the light. I need to see them because if they remain in the dark and I'm just trying to patch them up with positive self-talk, they're not going to work. It's not going to work really well because you're still not noticing that these subconscious beliefs, these core beliefs are still there. So when you pull them out and look at them, then you have power over them. You can say, okay, I am behaving, I'm picking out, uh, poor relationships because I don't think I'm worthy and I need to change that. And all this is, uh, this is where we need to start. Okay. So doing the shadow work on that is pretty important. Identifying what I mean by shadow work is just identifying what is in the dark, bringing it to the light. In this case, that would be your core beliefs because they're motivating everything. 
when you get to realize your shadow and your light, it sets you free in so many ways. Because then you start really coming up with your own thoughts. Your own thoughts that come from the inside of you. We're not mistaking them with this inherited thinking pattern, this self-critic or self-judgment that we have. We're not confusing it with that. Our other voice is much more in the knowing. It's gentler. It accepts what is. It likes to be in the moment and enjoy it. It's not in a rush because time is irrelevant to it. And it doesn't think its worth is on anything external. It thinks it's worthy anyways without any proof of that. Its existence makes it so. That's all within you already. You have it. I have it. We all have it. And to get to that place, to get to that truth, the truth of who you really are, that isn't masked by a title, that isn't masked by time, uh, limitations, 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 uh, all those judgments, what I should be, what I shouldn't be. It's not masked by any of that. It doesn't get that. It's limitless. That part of you is limitless. It understands that it is just beyond its form. I hope that makes sense so far. <laughs> but I'm telling you guys, I've been contemplating people. I've been contemplating and it ain't pretty. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> All right. So going back to the self-knowing because I never left. It It's important to understand at this point that the freedom comes when you're starting to sev- separate that these are the beliefs, patterns that I was raised with, born with, handed through time, place value on them with. Those are, that is part of me, as well as there's another part of me that's the truth within me. Okay. That understands that this other side is basically a fallacy. It's fake. And that's what self-knowing is. It's getting to that point when you are looking at things as they are. We're not looking at them with resistance anymore. That's why it requires a higher level of thinking for people to accept what is. When we try to argue what is, we're basically in denial. (laughs) We are bargaining, you know, instead of accepting what is. When I think about prisoners doing time, and I mentioned this before, I used to work in prisons and I learned a lot from that schooling. <laughs> uh, but prisoners, interestingly enough, go through stages of grief when they first enter prison. And the first stage is denial. Uh, they deny that they're going to stay there long term. Um, they deny the sentence. They're going to appeal it. They even yell, I'm going to appeal it. And they make threats and stuff. And then the next stage comes in. And it's, you know, the anger that they're just angry that they're blaming the judge. They're blaming the the courts, the the officers, the people that put them there. And then the depression comes in. It settles in after the anger because now you're sitting in a jail cell and you can't run away from what is. You're getting closer to looking at it. 
Then you go back to this fancy thing called bargaining or negotiating. You start calling lawyers and threatening and I'm not going to do this. I'm leaving soon. I'm getting out of here. And you're telling people this. Now, I've, I've seen this happen, my, my friends. I've seen all this happen in front of my eyes. But eventually, people that do time well can tell you the secret right here. And what I've observed them to do is to accept what is. Eventually, my friends, we're going to accept what is. And there's a beauty to that because it sets you free even if you're in a physical prison. It helps you understand that I'm living here in the moment. Think about it. An inmate has to think, when it, when it comes to acceptance, they have to think that they are living in the moment now. They have a routine. They're celebrating each part of their routine. They're learning to start different hobbies within their uh, surroundings. Whether they're making crafts, they might be selling them. Some might engage in little groups, you know, uh, whether it's a spiritual group or some kind of Bible study. They're doing that. They're spending their time reading, getting an education. They're variations of that. They're living right here in the prison. Their mind is not out there thinking, what are people doing without them? <laughs> now, any inmate who's done time and done time well is going to tell you that you need to think about what's happening right now in the moment where you're at. Take advantage of this situation right here because that's all you got to live is right here. That's all you can control. When your mind is out there, now that is suffering. As a matter of fact, they used to call the phones in prison or jail as trauma box because a lot of the inmates that are not in the acceptance stage yet are trying to call their loved ones out there and attempting to control them through the phone and uh, accuse them over and over and you better stay there I know you're cheating on me and it's like attempting to control and control and control they're not living they're they're not doing their time yet right and so I've learned from inmates that do their time well the biggest lesson is that live right now in the moment. Get to accept all that you are. And within that journey is also accepting and getting to know yourself really well because you're going to have to live with you. And you better sound a lot better on the inside than you did before. And if you sound terrible on the inside about you and you're not willing to accept your responsibility, accept your actions, all that, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, you will not have a good time or even have closer to a good time um, with yourself in, in jail. So that's like double jail. That's double doing double time, <laughs> if that makes sense for anyone. So we want to be able to understand knowing ourselves that way, is that getting to accept all our shadow and our light right now, accepting what is that we're looking at as it is, and living the moment moment by moment right now, doing time beautifully. That's what I want to know how to do. That's what I want you to know how to do. Because we could be, I've seen it, we could be outside, living outside right here and people are living in a pure hell prison with so many limitations on the inside. And I've seen people in prison that live freely. It is incredible, but it's real. I've seen it, people. I've been blessed enough to see the difference. And so I want us to really be free on the inside. And when we get to know ourselves, all aspects of ourselves, then we get to work on it. That means the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
we get to work on the good and the bad and the ugly, all of it. We get to, we get to look at it first and then get to work on what we need to work on. Taking responsibility for our shadow self, our shadow side, doesn't mean that it's true. It just means that I can work on it. I could take responsibility for my low self-esteem and work on it. I could take respons- responsibility for my feelings of low self-worth and how I grew up with that and I was taught that. And I can take responsibility and recondition it myself and learn to, to, to search the truth of my inner knowing. I hope that makes sense. We need to do this work right now when on the outside it looks like it could be chaos. In the inside, we have the potential of living in pure, steady, calm waters. So why the hell not? But because it could look ru- ruckusy on the outside, my friends, we could unfortunately, if we're unstable on the inside, we can deal with chaos by creating more chaos. And a man creates his own experience. So I wonder what kind of experience do you want to be creating? Do you want to be fed the experiences of other people and you believe it? Or do you want to create your own experience like you were born to do? As you are a creator because you're made in the image of one. Acceptance, my friends, is the key. Getting to know yourself, accepting you in this ride is all that there is. It's the most important milestone in humanity. And like I said, some of us don't reach it because some of us won't do the work. But... When you get to confront you and really look at you and search that truth within and know that you're worthy without any measurement, know that you are connected to everyone without being connected by blood and form and body, then my friends, we're getting closer. We're getting closer to achieving something good here. And we're not trying to change the whole world, but we're in charge of changing our life And our life impacts, believe it or not, the people around us, people that we raise, people that we take care of, and the people that we help. And when we do that, bigger impact and bigger impact. And we might not see the outcome of this, my friends, but I promise you this, you will be living a higher quality of life. And you will also be promoting a generational change of collective unconscious. So let's do it. Let's do it. It starts with you. It starts with me. I'm willing to accept. I'm willing to do the work. I need you to now do it. So where do we go from here? Write down all the beliefs that hold you back. The ones I talked about. I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Any variations of that. Understand that they are something that is not true, but that you've been reinforcing for many years, which has its power there. Get to separate yourself from that identity, my friends. And now we're free. That's all you need to do. (laughs) All right, you guys, let's get started right now. We can live every moment today from this moment on with a better quality of life, with my real self in there, loving me through this journey, accepting me as I am through this journey and working with me as well, right? Accepting me to work with me. And as I'm doing that, That is who gets to face whatever monster Goliath we perceive is right in front of us. And I think I'd like that Tala that gets to face that Goliath. She has a better chance of intentionally creating her experience when she does, especially if she knows herself a little bit better. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight. Let there be love. 
and there was love. Let there be light, and there was light. This has been an episode of Drive Through. Thank you.